What's up, everything? There's a lot of pain in this life, but nothing is quite as miserable as being the fan of a badly run NHL team. And that's why every year, we host the annual Two Guys One Cup Misery Index. That's right, Jamila Jamil, we thought of it first. Today, we'll break down which teams are the absolute worst to cheer for and celebrate the teams that don't screw up quite as badly. We used Maroon 5 jokes last week, so we'll have to think of another theme to use this week. But there's plenty of misery to go around, so let's get started, and let's get miserable. The world is treating me bad, misery. I'm the kind of guy who never used to cry. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to the Two Guys One Cup podcast. It is Thursday, September 29th, and Ian has just returned home from ravaging my home state, my newly adopted home state of Florida, and has made it home to St. Louis just in time to do the misery index before returning to fuck up South Carolina (laughs) for some reason, because Ian's a bad person um no obviously we had the we had the hurricane this week (laughs) obviously it's a sentient hurricane (laughs) that i've been dealing with for the last five years that's right um no it was my uh was my first hurricane experience again and i gotta say i was very fortunate um jackson jacksonville was largely spared i mean it was rainy and windy crazy all day today but very you know one of those things where if, if you hadn't been told it was a hurricane or tropical storm you wouldn't even necessarily know it. Um, and, uh, but, you know, obviously the devastation on the Gulf Coast, you know, down south of Tampa and the Naples area, Punta Gorda, um, you know, a lot of those areas really got just crushing devastation. And and obviously those folks are in our thoughts. Um, you know, if you are inclined to donate money, I know a lot of folks mm-hmm. who were, you know, whose families were affected by that. And um, I would love to find a time to get down there and help out, you know, Habitat for Humanity or something in the, in the aftermath. But I'm not going to tell you how to spend your money, but it's been a big, uh, it's been very, very fascinating to watch just as an observer, you know, with a little more skin in the game than I've had in, in the past. And to see all those people standing in the hurricane and thinking, oh, they're idiots, but they're idiots that are a lot closer to me than they were before, you know, and uh, Jim Cantori, legend, legend and psychopath at the same time. I don't know. It's been it's been a week, Ian. It's been a week, but we have power. We're here. Uh, how is the how's the hurricane affected St. Louis much at all? <laughs> I, I think I think the uh, river to pair is rising currently. Uh, storm surge. <laughs> Got to watch out if you live in uh, the uh, you know lower lower Grand area, the South South Grand area. Um, watch out. But no, it's been it's been fine. It's been very different. I've I've been worried for you. This is just another sign you got to move back. You don't have hurricanes. We got them little hurricanes, those tornadoes. But you know that's like. That's hit or miss, you know, that, that F's up a school real bad and then it, it just disappears, doesn't, you know, try and sever a whole state from the continent with which it belongs. That's um, right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been it's been nicer. It's fall weather. I guess fall down there means hurricane. So you're getting fall weather. <laughs> Everyone's That's right. getting fall weather. That's right. 
it's been such a mild hurricane season everyone tells me so mild until you know <laughs> this big giant hurricane <laughs> so you know i think it i think it was a hurricane season after all uh this episode turning away from the hurricane which you know has inflicted plenty of misery of its own this episode will be all about misery but much more um you know slapsticky kind of com- comedic misery so you know mm-hmm. you can enjoy it with us we will be talking about the carolina hurricane so if you were severely affected you know trigger warning for that later on <laughs> we'll, we'll give you some heads up but um we're here for the misery index again our our fourth annual misery index and and before we uh did this before we sat down to record i, I went back and just checked out some of our old misery indices to kind of you know check out the vibes mostly to see what music we'd use to make sure i didn't repeat repeat songs with the word misery in them that's and, right uh, and i gotta say we got we've had some big episodes in the past the, during the misery index uh, the first uh two years ago we had um the full slate of reverse retro jerseys released and we ranked all of those that was a three plus hour episode because we, we ranked all of them uh reverse retros and then we did the full misery index and then last year the misery index was the week after we traded zach samford for logan brown a trade that has worked out fine for both teams so hey he's supposed to be that's the story of uh the preseason right he's supposed to be our third line center so it all worked out it's great it's good stuff it's good that's content right. that's right he's the new tyler bozak oh um, well <laughs> something he's aspired to be his whole life <laughs> who would want to be the next tyler bozak exactly um he too can trip uh, Nolachari. That's right. That's exactly right. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, I, I guess there's really not much NHL news to talk about. So, I guess we dive into it. What is the Misery Index? It's not a TV show hosted by Jamila Jamil. Uh, the concept of the Misery Index is this. If someone waved a magic wand and forced you to swap the Blues 100% with another team from the top down, from ownership to arena, including players, prospects, and personnel, which would you most like to trade with and who would you least like to trade with? Things to consider. An owner. We don't talk about this a lot. It's mostly a problem for the bad teams, but just watching the Ottawa Senators in the last six months, you can sort of see how big a difference an owner can make. General managers, obviously, we talk about and analyze a ton. If you've got a terrible general manager, like, spoiler alert, Chuck Fletcher, you're in a lot of trouble. And if you've got good general managers, like, spoiler alert, Doug Armstrong or Joe Sackick, you're doing pretty well for yourself. Players and salary cap structures, specifically those big, long, painful contracts contracts that seem like they're never going to go away, Uh, pipeline prospects and draft future, as we say every year. um, No, I'm going to get to this later, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to spoil it. I'm not going to step on it. We're going to talk, and that's a later bullet point. I had the, I had the wherewithal to read ahead, Ian, Uh, and uh, coaching and other personnel will be considered too, but it's kind of a lower ranking thing because coaching can be changed out pretty quickly. Uh, So things we typically won't consider, recent history, like a Stanley Cup in 2016 means nothing to us. This is our team going forward, but wasn't our team before now. So if a team like the Kings sold out to win a cup and did, we're still stuck with the rubble. Uh, We won't talk about the mascot either, 
apologies to gritty i feel like that bullet points old i feel like it's outdated that's right. um but you know gritty got he had his time in the sun and now his time is going to be suffering because it's a misery index and the point of this is to get a general temperature on the health of every nhl team what are their strengths what are their weaknesses if they have any strengths uh who is set up for long-term success and who is looking at years of rebuilding and of course the point is to have fun Grab a Budweiser, grab a Steve Weiser if you choose to. Grab a White Claw. We don't discriminate. Have a drink. Enjoy yourself. Uh, grab some catnip if you're one of our 90% feline audience. And have fun with this misery index. And finally, the bullet point I didn't say before because I had wherewithal, a word that I really like using tonight. Uh, I tend personally, and I think Ian does as well, to favor the potential uh, for a bright future over an existing accomplished team. So for example, you might look at the Boston Bruins and think probably going to be pretty good this year. But then you look at their, uh, you know, um, prospect pipeline and you look at the age of their players and you think, oh crap, it's uh, going to come to an end pretty soon. Versus you might look at uh, the Ottawa Senators, for example, and think, not going to probably be a playoff team this year quite, uh, but you see everything they've done and you see their potential for the near future and you think, but they're probably a pretty fun team to root for over the next five years. Um, so as we'll see very soon, we'll rank some teams that uh, we think are set up for years of success over other teams that are potential cup favorites. And that's the misery index in a nutshell. So Ian, would you like to kick us off by announcing our top team? Oh, God. Um, well, sure. So I put this list together and I thought, let's let's see what I think, what my first impression is. Right. And then let me go through and look at everyone's cap situation and their prospect pool. Um, like you said, their management and who's on the current team as well. And then we'll actually see, like, if that holds up with my my initial picks. So there could be some moving around, but I think it's fairly easy hopefully to say that number one right now is probably Colorado um I know you said we're not really thinking about the fact that they won a cup this past year but it's a little different though but if I look at them I feel like they can win a cup this year just as easily <laughs> um I mean they just signed Nathan McKinnon to a long-term deal their their current team is stacked you know them all Nathan McKinnon Miko Rantanen Gabriel Landeskog uh, now they have Valerian Nachushkin signed to a long-term deal. Uh, JT Comper is still there, going to try and fill in for the uh, Nazem Kadri hole that is left there. Archery Lekkonen signed. They've got their whole back end is, is pretty intact with Makar, Taves, uh, Gerard, Johnson, uh, Manson. But I think what puts them over the top two is just their management. Like Joe Sackick, who used to be considered a not so good GM and probably would have dragged this team down in previous years when it came to his rankings uh, has done really well pretty much ever since uh, he traded Matthew Shane. He's been a different GM these last like three or four years. And Jared Bednar is an amazing coach, obviously a Stanley cup winning coach. I think he's very John Cooper esque in the sense that he's, he doesn't seem to get rattled uh, at least not on television. He's, he's very Zen for a hockey uh, coach. It feels like, um, we also ranked like, or we also use the rankings from the athletic to judge their cap situation and their prospect pool, uh, cap situation as ranked by the athletic, uh, was second for Colorado. Uh, they don't really have too many terrible contracts granted 
they just signed this or doesn't account for the fact that they have extended uh, Nathan McKinnon. But again, we talked about that last year or last year, last podcast, that that's like a really, really good deal, even at 12.6 million a year for the next eight years. Uh, that's a superb deal for a guy that's probably trying to make 14, 15 million. And then you got a lot of guys like Renton and Landeskog and Nichushkin on, on pretty solid deals when it comes to like your forward core. Um, Kale McCarr is on a really good deal. I mean, he probably deserves more than 9 million a year that he's making right now. Uh, Devin Taves is a really good deal for being top four. Prospect pool is only 23rd. I don't really know any big names that they have um, other than like Newhook and folks like that that have sort of graduated, right? I feel like a lot of their their prospect um, power has turned into actual team uh, significant players. So you can understand why that kind of goes down a little and they have been doing pretty well in the postseason, even prior to the cup win, in which case, you know, they're drafting in the, the 20s and things like that. So I don't know. I just look at the Colorado Avalanche and if I'm like, what? team do i want my team to be right now it's them yeah yeah exactly i mean i i echo everything i think anybody would be pretty insane to argue with them uh as the top team right now you've got two of the league's probably top five superstars you've probably got three guys that are in that next year of the top 25 or so Um, The only real question mark right now is the goaltending, and they have at least one great goaltending prospect, and I think Georgiev and Francois will be fine there this year. They're pretty set. They've got their cap situation wrapped up for a long time. Um, You know, I think think they're good to go, pretty much. Uh, The only team that you could even potentially argue with uh, as the – number one spot is who you have in number two tampa bay and i think for a lot of the same reasons a lot of recent success obviously extremely well run by julian brisebois john cooper etc um they have superstars up and down the lineup you've got um you know nikita kucherov steven stamkos you've got uh brayden points you have all those guys doing extremely well victor hedman locking down the back end mikhail sergachev um obviously the best goaltender in the world uh alexander vasilevsky alexander vasilevsky is that right that didn't sound andre andre Andre, Andre, thank you i was like in my head i said it and then i was like that's not right um andre vasilevsky and two cups three trips to the cup everything in their favor to potentially be a cup contender again this year uh yeah tampa bay is in a very similar situation your thoughts on tampa yeah, I mean, it's consistency is like the name of the game for them. Like, again, they probably aren't going to win the Atlantic division, but they don't have to. And they can just plow through whatever teams in the playoffs they meet because they've had so much playoff experience. Um, I think the only thing that they could run into is some of their guys getting older and Kucherov and Stamkos, but still they're not really like old enough to be completely out of their prime at this point. So like they've still got like, two three years left of like really good cup contention and when you've got a team like this coached by john cooper who's been there for super long and julian brisebois um has done a really good job like with the accents on this team right like getting nick paul um to making those trades that he's made or like basically not signing players that they they shouldn't sign um like andre palat you know having to make room for him or something like that and rather just letting them walk 
I think he's done a really good job managing this team after Eisenman's left. Like, I think it's a lot. I think it's easier for us to say that you inherit an Eisenman team and it's like, well, you know, of course you're going to succeed, but it's like, there's a lot of really shitty GMs in this league that would definitely mess, mess that up somehow. So I give, I give them credit there again, their prospect pool. They've got like the, I guess, second to worst one, but again, they've won two cups in a row. They were in the final last year. They're just not going to have the best prospect pool, especially because they're, they're making trades for some of these players that uh, Brisebois um, is getting to complement the core. And with those comes, you know, trading away picks and things like that. So they end up with like whatever, three or four picks in a, in a draft. And that's, that's fine for them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're a very good team. They're very well run and and they manage to, I think one of the things that makes them so special, probably even more so than Colorado is they manage to take those deep picks and still find occasional stars. You know, Braden Point wasn't a super top pick. Um, Kucherov obviously was a pretty low pick, relatively speaking. Ross Colton, I think, you know, Vasilevsky himself, a lot of those guys. Uh, have turned into stars number three you've got the calgary flames a big jump from 28th last year uh give us your thoughts on calgary and why they rank this highly yeah i think for me this is probably there's a lot of recency bias right i'm not a i'm not a robot i'm a human being i'm a regular human being um i'm what was that wrestler's name what's the wrestler i came up with fiend no no the other one the one you tried to hint at me for for like an hour and then I was like, human Steve or something? <laughs> human Michael. McCoy. Human Michael. <laughs> <laughs> short, short for another name for Mike. <laughs> like human <laughs> Michael. Yes, human I, Michael. I desperately uh, want human Michael to be a thing. I'll have to go back and listen to that. I'm sure that was hilarious. Um by the way, I have to I have to quickly interrupt. Yeah, I don't like to pat us ourselves on the back too often. I think our long history of saying we're trying to get better proves that. But every time I happen to be scrolling in our archives for whatever reason, and I see the episode titled "Gary Stories to Tell in the Dark," <laughs> I laugh out loud. <laughs> I laugh <laughs> out loud wherever I am at our own joke, and I'm not embarrassed to say it. Quite frankly. That's fine. You know, as long as it tickles you, as long as it tickles us. Yeah, exactly. So, Ian, tell us some Calgary stories to tell in the dark, you know? See well, what I, I did there? Did you yeah, see yeah, it? yeah. I saw it and I heard it. Um, Calgary is a, a story you've heard a lot this summer, right? So they they lost Kudrow, they lost Kachuk, um, but at least in the Kachuk trade, they got Jonathan Huberdeau, they got uh, Mackenzie Weger. They signed Huberto to a, a long-term deal um, already, which isn't reflected in this cap situation. But I think, give or did they? They did, right? They signed mm-hmm. him a long-term deal. Yeah, I think it's still a pretty Huber, good. Huberto, they did. Yeah. Yeah. How much did they sign him for again? I Way honestly don't much, remember. Like Twelve million, or not Ooh. twelve, but like ten. Okay, well that's that's a little much. I don't know. They might not be at a minus. Point five. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you had a hundred something points last year, but I don't know. We'll see. But I'm still, I'm still bullish on this team. I mean, I think they rebounded really nicely um, after losing two of their, I mean, literally their two star players. I think they have a really good decor with uh, Rasmus Anderson, Mackenzie Weger, uh, Noah Hannafin, Kristanov. 
like that all those guys are in really good contracts too um i i think they have they have a window the window closed and then it opened again they also signed a cadre to a really good deal like seven million a year for the next seven years um seven or eight years and granted he's he's a little older but i think that will look really good for these next you know three or four years um maybe he doesn't have a career this year but i still think they managed to rebound and get some like really like quality players to say the least um out of their summer their cap situation like i said is ranked like sixth right now prospect pools 28 so not the best um brad for living as a gm you know i don't think he's bad i would have thought he was bad if they didn't get those players i think he's all right daryl sutter that's to me is sort of like the ticking time bomb sort of where i'm just like this guy can get a lot out of your team and but i also feel like eventually kind of like ken hitchcock right it's just it's it's being old and angry isn't enough (laughs) and i wonder if last year they looked really good because it was his first full year there uh, this year they'll look pretty good with these these new players infused there. I wonder what will happen over time with them. But for the time being, um, I think they're probably Canada's most exciting team as far as like could possibly win the cup. Uh, you know, throw some shade at Toronto, but like I definitely think they're like the strongest team um, in the Pacific, probably. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I I I think they have some time coming where they could they've got some questions you're gonna have to answer but for now i think they're a really good team yeah i agree um i i don't know if i bet them quite this highly because they're off season i just would be unsettled about two of my star players just desperately wanting out of there (laughs) and um all of that stuff makes it a little touch and go and i'm not that sold on trelevin and soda but they definitely deserve to be a lot higher than we had them last season um and speaking of great teams in canada you have the ottawa senators at number four and i can't say i disagree too much but why don't you go ahead and give us your justification here Uh, again just like an amazing summer bringing in to bring cat uh bringing claude drew they also got a, a few other people in there. They have Travis Hamannick. Oh boy, never mind. These guys are number fifteen. Um, I I just loved what Pierre Dorian did this summer. Uh, DJ Smith, I think, seems to be a fine coach. Uh, they don't have the best cap situation as far as like who they're paying what to. Austin Watson's getting a fair amount of money to be like bottom three guy. Um, Josh Norris still has a little bit to prove at this point, but I think I think he will. I think that's just a matter of. A, a young player growing. Um, they have Nikita Zaitz up for two more years, 4.5 million. Not great. Travis Hamnick is just on the team. That's never really good. You don't want to be paying that guy very much money. But on the flip side, they have like an amazing top six um, between Stutzla, Debrinkat, Chuck, Giroux, Norris, Batherson. Like that's an amazing group of young players. Um, I guess Giroux's not that young, but to like build around and make your core. And I, I expect them to, to have, you know, make a lot of hay this year in that division. Um, their prospect pool is still fifth, even though a lot of their guys have graduated. Like, they still have a lot of young players coming. Um, who's their defenseman? Sanderson or whatever that they drafted pretty highly a couple of years ago. Um, mm-hmm. They got a lot of guys still on their way. And so I think that speaks well to when Claude Drew does hang them up, you know, and three years or whatever who are they gonna have to replace them well they've got a lot of young guys coming 
Um, they're a fun, young, exciting team. And again, uh, like you mentioned earlier, normally we don't factor owner into this too much. And, you know, as maybe macabre as it is to say, like not having um, Eugene Melnick as the owner anymore does lend to happier days for this franchise as far as like competitiveness and spending of the cap and like moves that are allowed to be made and everything like mm -hmm. having someone that doesn't treat it like just like another business or not even another business but like a mcdonald's if you will um really helps boost this team from where they've normally been like in the basement every time we do these rankings this time they're at very least top 10 yeah i mean i definitely agree that they deserve to be high and i think um I think they, uh, I think after considering everything they've been through the last year and where they're at now, all the moves they've made, the additions they've made, having, um, you know, having a possible arena deal now, even in the offing, I know there's some been some talk of that. Um, I just think the 180 they've experienced definitely deserves to shoot them a lot higher. And they're going to be a good team for a long time now because they put themselves in the position to be. And that's really exciting. Number five, we mentioned them before the Carolina hurricanes, Don Waddell is their GM, Rob Brenda Moore, one of the best coaches in the NHL. They have a lot of talent. Uh, Andre Svechnikov, very good. Sebastian Ajo, very good. Um, obviously their defense is extraordinary. Frederick Anderson came there last year and was a fantastic goaltending solution for them until he got hurt. That's not really a surprise, but it is true. It did happen. Um, and, uh, they still managed to have the sixth best prospect pool. According to the athletic Carolina is one of those teams. that's a lot of fun to be a hurricanes fan right now. They're just kind of searching for a way to get over the hurdle, I guess, or get over the hump and, and be the next next uh you know get to that next level and be a stanley cup contender your thoughts on carolina yeah i think having like really good cap management like they have um i think actually some of that does come down to their owner um their owner what's his name what's that guy's name i know it's something silly oh um uh dundon tom dundon thank you um, I know that he doesn't like to pay people past what he thinks the market rate is for them. And that can burn you in some ways, but I think it has also left him with a team that doesn't have a bunch of like terrible contracts on the books. And then they still have like the sixth best prospect pool with a lot of young guys coming down um, fairly quickly for them on a team that's already pretty stacked. That's really good too for a team that is normally in the playoffs. So, I mean, they're picking bottom half of the first round normally. Um, I think they've done really well. They've set themselves up to be like a perennial contender. I think they are, yeah, they are kind of that team that always you're thinking like, is this going to be the year they take like that next step, um, make it in the third round, um, make it to the Stanley Cup final, win the President's Trophy, any of those things. Um and even if they don't make it necessarily or they don't necessarily do any of those things, the fact that every year that can be a question for them just proves like that they have legs, they have longevity. Um, they're, they're always icing a super competitive team. They're probably going to be first or second in the Atlantic or in the um, Metropolitan that is. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fairly jealous of them other than the fact that they're in Carolina they're about to get bashed by a hurricane. But, you know, that's what happens when you name your team the Hurricanes. That's true. 
That's true. That's their fault. I mean, they really had it coming. Nobody had it coming. We're not saying that. I mean, there was probably one real shitty person, you know, in the path of this hurricane. He might have had it coming. But That's the rest right. of everybody else, please stay safe. Uh, Los Angeles Kings have bounced up to sixth from 13th last year. They are in a position to be a contender in the Pacific Division because the Pacific Division isn't very good. Uh, they have Jonathan Quick, who had a really resurgent season last year, very good season. Kyle Peterson also there in that. Kevin Fiala, newly acquired, newly extended. I'm a little worried about some of their Fiala, uh, Victor Arvidsson, kind of long-term rich mm -hmm. people extensions, but um, actually Arvidsson only uh, two years. The biggest concern really for them is the $11 million owed to Drew Doughty Drew Daddy for five years. There's really no getting over that, but um, hopefully it's, you know, far enough or it's soon enough that they can still kind of be a contender um, until they get over that hump and get rid of that or he retires or whatever. So um, Los Angeles, this is another clear case where you're, you know, we're probably valuing the prospects over right. Uh, current success, but they do look to be poised to make a big run. Quentin Byfield, um, a lot of their other young guys that are about ready to hit. Thoughts on Los Angeles? I mean, yeah, they who'd they play last year? Was it the Oilers in the first round? Uh -huh. I mean, they gave them a run for their money, and you know, the Oilers, uh, unlike previous years, are not like a team to be taken lightly. And I thought they looked really good. Their young pieces are coming together. We'll see what Fiala does out there. Hopefully uh, he lends to their their scoring because they don't have very much right now. But Prospect Bulls 10th, other than the Drew Doughty contract, there's nothing there that's terrible. Um, and I think they've got a lot of young guys coming up that make a lot of sense for them. Tom McCollin's done a pretty good job out there. Rob Blake's done a really good job drafting because, um, again, like they're always drafting – in the top of the draft, given how good the Kings or in this case, how bad the Kings have been recently, but uh, that doesn't always mean you hit on those picks. And he has, and I think that's been a real boon for them because I definitely thought they were going to be taking the Anaheim Ducks road of having to tear it all down and go for a long rebuild versus say like the New York Rangers route of like having a couple down years and then boom, we're back. Um, I guess maybe that's, maybe that's the, uh, the uh, big piece about being in a large market, this Los Angeles, not necessarily a large hockey market, but for New York, your Los Angeles is one to be rebound and be relevant always. Yeah. Agreed. Um, moving on. Tell us about your team at number seven, justify this pick, justify <laughs> it. So I am bullish on Edmonton because I don't everybody, know. Everybody gas. <laughs> uh, I mean, how can you not be when you get Connor McDavid uh, only on dry side? But I, I, I don't know. I just think that their their run to the third round last year they they ran out of steam there um, against the Avalanche. They have just a better team, but I think they were starting to put it together in the playoffs. I mean, they made Calgary look pretty silly, which is a lot, uh, is, you know, a big pat on the back for them. Their cap situation could be a little bit better, um, but it's not terrible. It's ranked 16th, according to the athletic prospect pools, 18th, you know, they don't have the best um, drafting when it comes to out of like the first couple of rounds, really, at least in the, not in the past, like, I don't know, like 10 years almost, but, I do think Jay Woodcroft did a good job up there with them. 
I I don't know. On on second thought, I would definitely put them a little bit lower. I'd still put them in like top 15 space, mm-hmm. maybe not seventh, um, maybe more around like 11 or so. Because I do think that they're still a team I would I would love to have in terms of their super their uh, top stars, their superstars. I think the one thing that does drag this team down actually more than even like their kind of ho hum, um, you know, bottom six or like defense or whatever, or even um, their goaltending. I guess we'll see what Campbell does there this year. But what really drags them down is Ken Holland. Yeah, <laughs> Ken Holland is an ancient dinosaur man. Um, <laughs> they also have Evander Kane on their team. Evander Kane, a, you know, great goal scorer. Um, not the greatest human being, allegedly. <laughs> um, so, like, that's also kind of. <laughs> I don't know didn't why they, that got me so much. Didn't they also? But it did. Didn't they also PTO Jake Bertanen? Didn't they do that? Uh-huh. Allegedly. Um, so, <laughs> so you know, there's. There's stuff to be like scratching out about a little bit with Edmonton when it comes to their their management, but we'll see how Jay Woodcroft does with a full season. Who was even coaching that team last year to start? Was it someone else? It was someone else, yeah. Uh huh. Um, Why can't uh, I think of who? Uh, Rick Tockett, or is he the one that's on the TNT panel? Dave Tippett. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, if that was the right move, though, good job, Edmonton. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think? Oh, Obviously, I thought, too. I thought, I thought you had more to say. Um, I would probably put him a little bit lower just because, well, I mean, they've got the best player in the world, and they've got maybe the second best player in the world. It's not that bad to be a friggin' uh, Edmonton Oilers fan. I just I worry about their defense and their goaltending as always. I do think. I do think the um, Jack Campbell addition will be huge for them, and that could make them into a serious contender. They're playing in the Pacific, um, which means, you know, they can't uh, – it's it's hard to quibble too much with where they're at um, or with their, you know, potential to be a cup contender because it's not that hard to be one in the Pacific. I would probably put them behind some of the teams we've got coming up here, like maybe the Rangers and the uh, – and the Florida Panthers, for example, but it's hard to really argue with them being pretty high on this list when you really look at a totality, a totality of the things that they um, have going for them, you know. So, yeah. Um, and speaking of which, the Rangers are up next. Obviously, they have the second best goalie in the world right now. It seems uh, probably the second best young defenseman superstar in the world, and Adam Fox. Um, their offense is a bit of a mess contractually, but it's still really good. They've got our Timmy Panarin. They've got Chris Kreider. They've got the one and only Sammy Blay. Uh, they have some young guys that haven't performed yet that could still become like huge difference makers for them. If Capo Caco or Alexi Lafreniere really hit their potential. Um, they've got a lot going for them. What do you think about the Rangers? Yeah, I definitely think that there's more there than meets the eye when it comes to like some of the numbers that we've seen. Um, I mean, they've they've just got a lot of really high end potential, like you said. Chris Kreider probably not going to hit uh, fifty goals or whatever again, um, but you have you have some young talent there in Hedl and Kako, and um, who's the other one I'm thinking of? Why is he not on here? I'm like flipping through Lafreniere. Where's Lafreniere? Anyways, um, yeah, these young guys like they've they've got some really high ceilings for them. And then obviously Zabanajad and Panarin are there too and have played really well. Tristurkin, probably the best goalie in the league. Uh, there's 
their defense is, is just all right. It's fine. But like Ryan Lindgren was playing really well last year in the playoffs throughout the entire thing. And he was hurt. Adam Fox on the best defenseman in the league. Um, Jacob Truba is their captain that, you know, that's all you can really say about him. Uh, <laughs> it's, they, and I like, I like Gerard Gallant a lot. I think he's a really good coach. Uh, Chris Drury hasn't been on the job for too long, but I think he's done all right. Um, but yeah, again, this is a team that was, I don't know, they pulled the shoot like what, like three years ago, it feels like it was pre pandemic, I want to say. So they had the balls to do that. And then they've, they've kind of flipped management around a little bit here and there, but they're, they've managed to stay on track in terms of like a really quick rebuild retool. Um, and I think that they, I think they can be even better than they were these last couple years or last postseason even. And they looked pretty good last postseason too. So I think the, the sky's the limit for them. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they're, I, that's probably why I'd sneak them above the Oilers, but I can't quibble too much with them being here. Florida, you sneakily moved up. I saw you move them oh, up. Yeah, I'm, moving, in. I'm moving stuff around. I saw it happen last year's President's Trophy winners, but not a lot of success in the playoffs. Aaron Eckwad is very good, but he can't stay healthy. Matthew Kachuk is newly there. He's a superstar. Alexander Barkov's a superstar. Anthony Duclair is very good. Carter Verhage, Sam Reinhardt, ton of talent. 25th prospect pool. They've finally kind of run out of young players. Uh, the Bobrov, excuse me, yeah, the Bobrovsky contract's a nightmare, but Spencer Knight's very good, and he just signed a new extension, I think, to keep him there for a long time pretty cheap as he continues to take more and more of that role. Uh, Florida, very good, very fun team. I've got a new friend from work. He's a big Florida Panthers fan. I'm excited to actually have someone here to talk about hockey with him. Probably going to be an adoptive Florida Panthers fan because I'm here and there's <laughs> only so many options. So uh, tell me about Florida and why you maybe didn't even put them a little higher. Yeah, they do have Paul Maurice now, which is a big no-no. <laughs> there you go. That's why. That's why your, your ceiling is ninth when you have Paul Maurice as your coach. Um, yeah, they you would think they'd be higher especially they're like their cap situation by the athletic is ranked first um they really don't have like literally patrick hornquist is like on a five point something million dollar deal for one more year mm -hmm. uh mark stall is old and but he's only being paid like uh eight hundred thousand for a year so like there's that's it that's it as far as like questionable contracts go um, they traded for Matthew Chuck. They signed an eight-year deal, nine point five million. You know, a whole million less than uh, Huberdo was going to make. He's a hundred-point player last year. I think for me, the question is: Will Matthew Kachuk have been the right move, or would the right move have been to have kept Huberdo and Uyghur? Um, Who knows if they even could have when they hit free agency? If those guys were just going to want out of Florida, anyways. But I think that's where I have some question marks and I feel like they, Florida hit the um, President's Trophy ceiling there last year and maybe they're learning a little bit each year and they're thinking, well, we don't got to go for the President's Trophy this year. We can kind of like save our energy a bit and then, you know, really push some playoffs when it counts. But two playoff exits in a row um, against their, their cross-state rival. And I, I wonder about them. They're really good. They're poised to be top three in the Atlantic again, I, again, could even get the president's trophy again. Um, but I just, I just wonder what they'll look like um, without their, their other hundred point player, Huberdo without Uyghur in the back end. Um, we'll see if Bobrovsky plays well again this year, 
or yeah, mm-hmm. spent ever at Spencer's Nights, Spencer Nights Net. Um, Paul Maurice. Oh yeah, then they they switched their coaching, right? Like they had Joel Quinville, then we all know what happened there. And then they had um God, what's his you name? know what Joel you know what Joel Quinville didn't say? He didn't stand up and say, you know what? No. <laughs> That's <laughs> wrong. wrong. <laughs> Why oh, are we no. these people? Why am I this person? I'm the one always doing it. Oh you're no, it's fine. I, you're pure as the driven. No, 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 I laugh. I laugh at it every time. Um, who was their guy? Who was their coach? Why can't I think of his name? Um Andrew Burnett was that Thank it? you. Yeah, Andrew Burnett, who who coached like the other 80% of the season, was a all-star coach, and then they canned him. Um, so we'll see if Paul Maurice was the way to go. Paul Maurice is a veteran coach, and I mean he did really well in Winnipeg. What a as a little uh, preview, a guy that was like, I don't want to coach anymore, I need a break, and left Winnipeg. And then <laughs> like three months later, was like, you know what? I've had a break, I want to coach in sunny Florida with, um, with a much better team. So that's that's why Florida is ninth and Winnipeg is uh, in the 30s. Spoiler alert. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Florida is going to do really well this year. And they, they could be even higher on the, the misery index next year. Yeah, I, yeah, they could be higher in a good way. Higher in a good way. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, you know, they're – they're a good team for number 10 because they're where they are and they're not changing for a while. They just brought back the core and they're just kind of hanging out. I don't have a lot more to say about Pittsburgh. And I think we're going to say that about a lot of teams. Do you have more to say about Pittsburgh? No, I mean, the, I think 10 was like the perfect spot for them because it's like, I can't, I can't tell you a team with Crosby and Malkin and Latang and Gensel like are a bad team like they are constantly in the playoffs they almost knocked out the rangers in the first round last year they're as long as they have that core they're always a threat to win the cup so that you, you gotta put them i feel like in the top 10 if that's the case um their prospect pool is not great for obvious reasons uh, mike sullivan's a pretty good coach from hextall oddly their gm uh which is again very odd uh but has done pretty good there so yeah i mean i think i think they deserve to be top 10 yeah i agree minnesota is number 11 they've got a very good team and they're pretty exciting they've got a young superstar but they have a hellacious salary cap situation and that's probably why they're not a little higher Um, right it'd be a nightmare for them for a couple of years yeah i was like if they didn't have money tied up in the prize and suitor deals then and those buyouts then i think they'd be even higher because I mean, I thought they played pretty well against the Blues last playoffs. I think it we played better. It turned out that it went our way, but I definitely think it could have easily gone the other way, and I would have believed that, you know, a decisive victory for them would have made sense as well. So, like, I think they're a really good team. Kaprizov, obviously, like a superstar, 100-point player. Um, and I think when in a couple of years when the, the buyout money's off the books, like, watch out, man. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I think they're going to be pretty good. They're, they're well run. Bill Guerin may have his question marks himself and he ain't got to do shit, even though he did shit and then did trade Talbot anyway. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I think they're in a pretty good spot other than the cap situation. Toronto, 
They are number 12. The, everybody knows Toronto. They can't get over the hump. They can't get into the second round. They keep making moves to make them perpetually worse. I really think they don't get better. I mean, their goaltending situation this year is so dumb. Um, they were ranked. Uh, were they ranked last year? Did we have their rank? Here's a question. Have I been reading cap situation as last year's rank this whole time? Yes, I have. So ignore <laughs> anything I said about last year's misery index rank because it's all a lie. Um, but yes, they have uh, the third best cap situation, according to um, the athletic who are full of crap, but um, they just aren't getting better. And uh, their goaltending is bad. I don't know how they get to the second round this year if they haven't before. And if they don't get to the second round this year, and I know we've said this for a couple of years, but it feels especially true this year. If they don't do it this year, it's going to be Bedlam, I think, in, um, I don't know, just in the six. I was trying to think of a, a nickname for Toronto. Um, what are your, I, mean, I know we've discussed Toronto ad nauseum. People probably sick of hearing us talk about Toronto, but what are your thoughts about Toronto, <laughs> Uh, I probably would have put them a little lower than 12. I probably should have just put them dead center at like 15 or 16 because you can't really not want Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, William Nylander, Morgan Riley, but like you can not want their goaltending situation, which is just terrible. Um, like the biggest question marks, I feel like in the entire league and Matt Murray and um, Ilya Samsonov, like that's, it's, who knows who knows they could work for him or they could just be a, a giant pit of despair and again there's a lot riding on the season Kyle Dubas his contract is up um they said they're not going to extend him until after the season's done they want to see what he's done you know or what's happened with the season um the prospects pool is fine but not great overall and it's just like yeah would I want to be this team sure if I know I'm going to have success, but the whole point is I don't know that because I never have. And therefore it's like, I don't want to be that team then. So really it feels like they should be more like right teetering in the middle, which is kind of sad when you've got an Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, all those guys that we're like, eh, I still don't yeah. necessarily want your situation. But they have to get better. They're not good enough and they have mm -hmm. to be better. That's what everybody says about them. Washington, it's the Alex Ovechkin show. Next, um, <laughs> do you have much. more to say about Washington? Mm -mm. They're going to get to watch their franchise player break the goal scoring record that was supposed to be unbreakable. So, you know, how upset can you be? Also, <laughs> this is why I have a problem with Dom Wasition and his stupid models. Alex Ovechkin <laughs> gets a C minus for his contract. The dude scored 50 goals last year. Yeah, I don't Shut quite up. understand that. I don't care what your your metrics are broken. It, I, anyway, I won't go down that rant. But um, he's a broken human. Seriously, you have more to say about the the Capitals? No, 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 no nothing. Because I'll all. move right on to the Vancouver Canucks at number fourteen. Patrick Alvine, the new GM. Bruce, there it is. Bruce Boudreau, Kevin Owens' best friend. Bruce, Bruce, Bruce right. Boudreau, uh, the new head coach. They obviously had a resurgence. Um, last year after Bruce Boudreaux took over, not quite enough to get into the playoffs. After all the hubbub about JT Miller, he signed a long-term extension. Connor Garland is there. He's quite good. Excuse me. They have Quinn Hughes and Elias Patterson. They have Thatcher Demko, who's very good. They have the 14th best prospect pool. 
I feel like this is a team that has a, a pretty significant potential to move up or down the ranking. Also, Ian, did you notice that they have the 14th best cap situation, the 14th best prospect pool, and you put them in 14th? See, I knew I had, was going to hit on one, and here That's we right. are. Um, they all lined up. Yeah, I mean, again, I think these guys should probably be higher. It's just that they haven't, they didn't have a great year last year. And it does kind of make you question whether or not those were blips for like Quinn Hughes and Patterson, or if that's more along the lines of what you're going to get with them. Um, they signed JT Miller to that long-term deal, but Horvath still due for a deal um, or an extension. They they <laughs> they employ Tyler Myers and Oliver Ekman Larson. I'm definitely not, uh, and Luke Shen. I don't really uh, <laughs> love their D situation. Like Oliver Ekman Larson is so bad. I know, like yeah. Quinn Hughes is there, and that's great, but everyone else after, I mean, literally, it's Travis Dermott, Luke Shen, Kyle Burrows, Tucker Pullman, Tyler Myers, Oliver Ekman-Larsen, like, woof. Um, I mean, but they still got a lot of talent up front, um, and they've still got Thatcher Demko and Nett. I think Bruce Boudreaux is, like, a really great fit for them up there for this, you know, relatively young team. I just, yeah, I just, I, you would think they'd be better. You would think more would click. And I think they're going to have a hard time in the Pacific right now with Calgary, Edmonton, um, Vegas, possibly uh, the Kings coming up. It's like, it's just going to be hard for them. Yeah. Yeah. I agreed. Um, it'd be interesting to see. I'm definitely worried about Pedersen. Uh, I don't know if he's ever really going to be the player that we thought he was for a while he is not who we thought we were he was and we let him off the hook Quinn Hughes I think is going to be really good but I always worry about him trying to sneak his way up to New Jersey um, right. not most people try to sneak out of New Jersey not sneak to New Jersey but this is one of the rare cases um, Detroit is a team that could move up significantly other than that uh, Elliot Friedman keeps pronouncing it Detroit I assume that's why you don't have them at like 12 uh, is because of Elliot Friedman and his mispronunciations. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's the biggest reason. That, that's, no. that's why. I'd no, move I mean, him up higher, but like I just, I'm not, I'm not quite sold in the sense that like I just haven't seen, I haven't seen Eisman's plans like start to turn the corner yet. This could be the year he did a they lot. Had an, they had an eventful off season, but it yeah. wasn't an off season that convinced me that they were like right knocking on the door for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, their best contract, according to Don Lecision, is redacted. And then Tyler Bertuzzi is their best contract when you don't talk about the person who's now a Detroit Red Wing. <laughs> and I don't want to talk about being a Detroit Red Wing. Wow, he thinks that's a great contract. Huh? Interesting. Yeah, interesting. That's a perfect it's pretty- you would think that that would be nice i'm sure he was very nice to the blues though in terms of you know ranking them on on the contract thing so <laughs> i'm in pain i'm in pain i do agree though Save us. the red wings they have a ton of talent they obviously have cider they have a lot of good young players and more on the way um but they do have to kind of prove it now um they have, you know, David Perron, uh, Oscar Sunquest, Ravi Fabry, and um, Billy Husso. So a very easy team, weirdly, for St. Louis Blues fans to like, although I'm sure a lot of the old school fans will, you know, resent me for even saying that. Um, but, you know, I think Detroit is a team to watch this year because I feel like if they don't make a big step forward, then it's like time to talk about if there's a problem there. Um, but I'm not 
a hundred percent convinced they will yet, you know, so moving on to the Boston Bruins, a team who will plummet in these rankings almost certainly immediately after this season. Um, It can be, it can be right now, literally, because I'm looking at this and like, these guys deserve to be like 20. Yeah. I mean, they um, obviously are a team that's going to be probably pretty good this year. Uh, but then they have David Posternock, who's an RFA or UFA after the season, who's going to command a boatload of money and not might not want to stay there on a sinking ship with the likes of Brad Marchand, who's 34, Taylor Hall, who's 30, Charlie Coyle, who's 30, Jake DeBrusque, who doesn't want to be there anymore anyway, Nick Felino, and then you've got Patrice Bergeron back. He's 37. It's his last year. Presumably David Krejci is 36. You presume it's his last year. Um, they've still got Charlie McAvoy. He's very good. They've got some good younger guys on defense, Brendan Carlo, Brandon Carlo and Hampus Lindholm. Their goaltending is pretty good, but this is clearly a last hurrah for the core here. And after that core has disappeared, uh, it will be interesting to say the least to find out what the Boston Bruins actually are. I'm not convinced Don Sweeney is a worthwhile GM at all in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. His uh, draft history, for example, I believe has been absolutely terrible um but uh it's whether the 30 second prospect pool yeah but um yeah it's really one of those situations where we'll just see next year we'll see what they do we'll see if pastor knock waves we'll see who they replace all these pieces with and then we'll kind of judge from there anything more on boston Man, the more I look at that team, the more I think David Pasternak like has to leave. Like maybe he loves Boston and he'll just like the staff. What's he going to do with his Duncan ads though? He's got that Duncan money, that big Duncan money. He's got that big D. That's right. He loves the big D, which is why he's headed to Dallas. Um, But yeah, he's got to be, he's got to be gone if say like um, Bergeron, Krejci, all exit. It's, it's rough up there. Yeah. They're probably going to plummet in these rankings uh next year but like steven said it just depends on what kind of summer they have um and what happens but i might have put them a little bit lower but but we'll see well you made these rankings and you have no one Steven, to i would have put them lower new jersey <laughs> the new jersey devils a team that also could arguably be a little bit lower because it hasn't been pretty there they brought in uh I can't even think of his name. Vitek Vanacek to be their big solution in that. Jonas Siegenthaler is their best defenseman. That's a little worrisome. Um, you've got Jack Hughes and, and Nico Heischer. They're already committed to long-term contracts, and uh, they haven't really quite proven that they're top-level NHL centers yet. You've still got some excitement there. Young players coming up. Luke, Luke Hughes looks like an absolute stud. There's a lot of potential um but uh they definitely are also in that detroit category where they just have to prove it now any more thoughts on new jersey yeah they're definitely just a worse detroit currently yeah. but i will say garden state very good movie top-notch soundtrack just really good overall so you know that probably bumps them up a few spots too uh the islanders are in trouble this franchise is hosted by the oldest man is hosted is managed by the oldest man alive Lou Lamorello he probably thinks he's a host and they're like a game (laughs) show you know he probably watches his stories and then Wheel of Fortune comes on and then he's like oh you know I'd like to solve the puzzle and then it's like where in the world is Matthew Barzal (laughs) that's right 
<laughs> and Pat Sajak's like, very good. Now here's your sippy cup. And then Lila Amarillo, like, you know, he like calls Doug Armstrong. He's like, oh, you want Matthew Barzell? <laughs> you know, and he's just really those are the only two mm-hmm. words he knows are Matthew Barzell. But in any case, Brad Lambert, the new coach there, um, not to be confused with the Brad Lambert who was just drafted by Winnipeg, I think, who's, mm-hmm. um, you know, not this guy um but uh they have zach isn't it ironic that their best contract is zach parise's i mean what a twist of fate that is and it's not good for them uh matthew barzel obviously is a player that could bounce back but he didn't look as good um last year because he's been replaced by reploid as everyone who follows the islanders twitter closely knows um adam pellick and Ryan Pollock and Scott Mayfield are good defenders, but they don't have much of a defensive core beyond that. I do, I've said this a couple of times, and I think it's pretty true that this year is going to be really interesting because we only kind of have an inkling of which teams were worst affected by like COVID and the consequences thereof. Um, but I, I wonder if the Islanders and especially Barzil are are a team that falls into that category and they could bounce a lot higher. They do have Ilya Sorokin, who's very good, but if they don't bounce higher, then it's really panic zone. Right. Um, There's kind of a boring team. I think I'm just, if I think about it, I'm like, I don't want to be them. Um, especially like with Lou Lamorello. That was my mistake. It's not Brad Lambert, it's Lane Lambert. Ah, okay. That makes sense. The Lanester. I was wondering if Brad, this Brad Lambert was like that Brad Lambert's dad or something, and I was being ignorant, but I'm glad that this Brad Lambert's just made up. That's right. I mean, the Islanders, like you said, they, they've got Sorokin and Nett. Um, Barzal is a phenomenal player, but I just feel like the way they're managed is so freaking boring, and like the fact that they didn't do anything last summer... I feel like as long as they have Lou Lamorello there, he's always going to be like holding this team back. Their cap situation is not he's fantastic. So old. Yeah, their prospect pool is not fantastic either. Um, yeah, it's not. It's it's fine to say the best when it comes to the Highlanders. Yeah, um, we'll see where they are next year but it could be a lot of different places. The Nashville Predators, but Nashville's such a fun city. Uh, They did just extend Philip Forsberg to everyone's shock because everybody really thought he was going to leave Nashville. I mean, we we all talked about it. We thought it was guaranteed that he left Nashville. Roman Yossi, uh, this is another situation where I think Dom's model is kind of funny because it's so it's it's so short term bias. I just don't feel like Roman Yossi is actually going to be a nine point one million dollar defenseman for six more years but what do i know he's the expert um you know need a writer sign there so that's cool matt duchene had a real bounce back season last year ryan johansson didn't uh but there's only three years left on the johansson deal time flies um nashville hasn't been as good as they were they kind of rose to their one-off cup chance sort of like the dallas stars who we'll talk about not long and fell apart from there uh they do have uc soros so he's very good but um despite of all their feather flashing and pomp and circumstance just not that good a team right now yeah i mean i feel like people outside of this division rank them higher in terms of like what where they'll finish this season i think they I don't know, they see Forsberg and they see that Duchesne had a better year last year and Roman Yossi and they're like, you know, this team, you know, this team's not that bad. They could turn around, but I just, uh, 
they're not quite the same team um, as the cup run in 2016. They're not really quite the same team as even like three years ago. And they're, they're fine, but I just really, I don't, I don't really know what their direction is currently. Are they but even fine? They're they're fine at best. Um, I don't want to whatever, but Dallas was ahead of them. If you if you skip by them, Dallas is nineteen. Um, I just don't want people to think that we're we're missing their favorite team. I don't want people on this Blues podcast think we're missing their favorite team, the Dallas Stars. That's um, right. Who I put ahead of Nashville, but could really go oh, behind Nashville. I'm sorry, did I skip a team entirely? Yeah. Wow. You really buffaloed them. Um, buffalo, buffalo, buffalo. I was gonna say they were the same thing as Nashville, not not quite. Um, you have an owner that doesn't want to pay young players that are worth money. Is Jason Robertson still unsigned? He is. He is still Oof. unsigned. Oof. I'm like, come on, come on, baby, this get her done. Freaking Rasmus Sandine has signed before. Freaking Jason Robertson, let's go. He's also openly calling out uh, Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan, and it's not the first time a member of their oh, uh, yeah. front office has openly called out those two players. Which, let's be honest, they suck. So if you're going to call out a player, it's not unfair to call those two guys out. Um, but uh, yeah, they're in a lot of crap. I mean, cap holy shit, you've got three more years of Ben, you have five more years of Sagan. Like, at five least I years think of Sagan shocks me every time I see it. I think second. Sagan can at least like bounce back from that. Like, I think he his style of play lends to being like being able to get that back. Jamie Ben is washed, he's, he's washed like a 9.5 million he's, dry, he's washed again. It's so sad. Yeah. Um, I don't, I hate Jamie Ben and I almost feel bad for him. Like, I know these guys are making $9.5 million, but like, it can't be fun to go out there when you just can't do it anymore. Oh, and yeah. You know, everybody in the market is talking shit about you constantly, you know, and mm-hmm. that can't be fun. So I have a little bit of sympathy, sympathy, not symphony. Um, they do have Jake Ottinger. So that's, you know, that's a plus. Yeah, I was going to say Jake Ottinger, Miro Haskin, and Jason Robertson. They've got mm-hmm. one really big star at each position no pun intended uh and that is you know saying something but um i don't know if they can keep it together and be a contender again until some of that ben and sagan money is off the books personally uh ready to move on yep the seattle kraken um just really a question of how quickly that new team smell wears off because they still have a new team they still have pretty sick sweaters um but they are not good and they're not going to be good all of a sudden for a while uh they did get shane Wright. they've got maddie Beneers. they've got some good young players coming in didn't they sign somebody weird this offseason Oh, Andre Burakovsky. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they're getting players. They're trying. They got They, they traded for, yeah, Bjorkstrand. Sorry. Bjorkstrand. So those are two good additions to score more goals, and they need to score more goals. Um, Beneers and, and Wright will certainly help as well. They could be a little better this year. Their real big question mark is if Philip Grubauer can be like just a palatable league average goalie or anything near it. If he can, you know, they're not going to be a, probably a, a playoff team, but they can be a lot better than they were. Um, but they're certainly seem like a long way from being a real legitimate contender. And I, I worry about them that they could fall into that like perma expansion team trap a little mm. bit, you know, where they're always 
just good enough to not draft top talent, but just bad enough to never be good, you know? Right. But, um, but it's too soon to declare that. I do think right falling to them at fourth overall is like a an absolute coup for them and, and you know, a huge victory and success for them. Um, but uh, we'll see how well he adjusts to the NHL and, you know, how quickly he can turn a franchise around, if he even can at all. Do you have more thoughts on Seattle? Um, you know, for them, I think it's all about being relevant. Like, I think it's like what you want to be able to do with that team is be relevant. Like you want to be in the playoff hunt because they Would you weren't. say be relevant, perhaps? That's right. Like you want to be in the playoff hunt because you weren't last year. And you. it's almost like this is your first year now because last year you just was not, you weren't talked about beyond being like, the first, I don't know, month, maybe less than that. At least to me, that's what it felt like with them. Like, it just felt like I was instantly like forgetting that this team even existed, which is not great. Um, like you said, they've got young guys like Berniers um, and Wright. I want to see how much time they give either of those guys uh, this year. Hopefully a lot because they just need to. They don't really have anything. They don't really have any guys that should really be blocking them at this point, especially when it comes to like people they just picked out of the expansion draft um mm. but it'll be interesting i think i think they can move up into like the mid-teens um next next misery index if they have like a halfway decent season but yeah like you said it's scary to think that if they if they don't they could fall into the yeah almost like the i think it's like columbus blue jacket syndrome of like we've been an expansion team for the last 15 years we never made the playoffs sort of we're like oh no yeah yeah definitely worrisome definitely worrisome i hope that doesn't happen to them i'm still a fan i'm still rooting for them let's go crack it bump 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 and all that stuff um moving on to the columbus blue jackets um they are 22nd on the misery index. They did have a shocking offseason edition of Eric Goodbranson, and nobody saw it coming. A big player in from Calgary. How many times have I made this joke? We're talking about Johnny Goudreau, obviously. He's a superstar. Uh, he's born and raised a superstar. He'll always be a superstar. He's the biggest star in my heart. I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, a contract for Gaudreau that when you look at like the contract given to Huberdeau, for example, seems like kind of a bargain. Um, right. And uh, they have Kent Johnson coming in to be a young center with a lot of potential. They drafted somebody this year, I think Juracek maybe, or Nimich, one of the, one of the defensemen. Um, they have uh, Igor Chinikov, who... If you watch the Blues game tonight, you saw him score at least two goals. I think personally has the potential to be a, a really top NHL goal scorer. I know I've seen some prospect rankings that put him a lot lower. Um, they have Cole Sillinger, who I think is going to be really good. So they've got a lot of talent here, young talent, but um, still seem like they're a long way from contending. And they've Columbus, and they've been bad for a while, and they had Panarin and Bobrovsky leave and uh, Brad Larson. Is that guy's name actually Brad? It is. Have you double checked? No, I double checked. Um, I just think they need to show something before they can really be a lot higher, you know? Right. Like it's, 
I never know if Columbus is like rebuilding or if they're like done rebuilding or if they have haven't begun rebuilding. <laughs> like I'm just always like you're not very good and you have young players coming up, but always I think they're just like some steps behind, say like New Jersey and and um, Detroit when it comes to rebuilding because they have some young guys coming up, but none of them are really like huge premier players, but they're probably going to be drafting relatively low and picking up even more of those guys uh, in drafts. So they could be there at some point, but it definitely feels like they're in a valley right now. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, Moving on, I guess, from the Columbus Blue Jackets to the Anaheim Ducks. They're another team could shoot out the rankings higher. You know, we, probably are a little hypocritical here because they do have a really bright future with some young players, but man, they just see, still seem like they're just not near the hump. You know, they don't have a good defense. They don't have a good goaltending situation right now. Gibson's looked washed for a while. I hope that's not true. Maybe he can find his footing, but uh, they do have Troy Terry. They have um, obviously Trevor Zegras. They have, um, Mason McTavish coming up. They have the other defenseman whose name is something coming up as well. Drysdale, Jamie Drysdale. Thank you, Ian. Um, So, you know, they have a lot of potential and they probably have a really bright future, but they really have had some rough years and it's not obvious that this year is going to be a huge difference. So they're a little lower than some of the other teams uh, with, you know, a lot of potential any more thoughts on anaheim that you want to share yeah i was just gonna say i think they're lower just because we haven't we hear a lot about these prospects and zegris obviously has this his fun little goals and he's he's very talented but it just feels like um i haven't seen the shine that people are trying to sell me like i'm sure it's there but like i kind of have to see like that fun season from them like oh there you know there is something there um, cause right now it feels like it's a lot of, a lot of talk and not that much action currently. Um, mm-hmm. there's not the worst team in California, but, uh, we'll get there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and let's move ahead to the Vegas golden Knights all the way down to 24th. They have the cap situation is wearing ninth somehow. I don't know how they've managed that. That feels like a, a real stretch on, on Dom's behalf, but, uh, they have, you know, Alex Petrangelo's terrible contract, much love to him. Still wish he was here, kind of, but it hasn't worked out for them so far. Robin Lanier to miss the whole season. You know, who knows if he'll ever be the same player. Um, obviously brought in Jack Eichel, but there's got to be a lot of concerns about paying him $10 million a year until he shows that he can be um, the kind of player he once was. They've cleared out a lot of space, but they still have a lot of a mess here, and they've become one of the most predatory, bloodthirsty, gross teams in the league. I wouldn't enjoy being a Vegas Golden Knights fan for a lot of those same reasons, probably. Um, you know, they've had a lot of success. They missed the for the first time last year. There's definitely some argument for them being higher. Why do you think you kept them so low, relatively speaking? Um, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with like their management style and their owner and stuff, right? It's like they have they have those good players that you listed, but they haven't quite put it together like Eichel or like with Eichel and with Petrangelo. Um, they're still a playoff threat. I think they'll do much better than they did last year. 
if their gold tendon can hold it together, um, which is being held together by like tape and the <laughs> wishes of children. Um, it's not great between the pipes, but like I still think they have a pretty decent team. The problem is that team could be ripped apart at any moment because someone asked for a trade off another team and they want that guy or you know it's it's summer next year and they really need Vladimir Tarasenko because no one was scoring last year so then they just pay him out the butt and they trade somebody else to make room for him and you know it's you just never feel safe there and if I was a fan of that team part of me would find that kind of fun that they're always trying to be relevant and chase for the cup but part of me would also feel like I'm not going to buy like a jersey or a jersey or get attached to any of these people because they could just be gone at a moment's notice um and that makes it that makes it kind of hard to like want to be that team um mm-hmm. oh and they're also switching like their full-time jerseys are going to be their gold jerseys i mean don't get me wrong i like that they're going with a color that's not common and i like a variation of that stuff but they also look kind of gross so yeah you know. and if they're late terrible yeah truly terrible i just think they're just not uh, they've got it's like i'm trying to think of a good analogy but it's like it's like when you you meet that kind of like superstar player or whatever and it just seems like they're not a good person or something you know and it's Mm -hmm. like they have everything they have the they have the have you know the pregame show they have the atmosphere they have the players they have the jerseys they have the success but it just feels somehow kind of empty to me um i don't know maybe that's being too harsh on them but it just feels like that's the case with them buffalo on the other hand kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum so beaten down so unfortunate but they finally have a lot to look forward to hopefully in Mm -hmm. guys like owen power um other young players as well what's the name of their uh, doing cousins couldn't think of doing cousins tage thompson you got to worry a little bit about that contract but he has certainly had a resurgent season rasmus dalin is very good um you know they have alex tuck there now who wants to be there and wants to be a buffalo fan so good for them uh do you think this will be the year for the savers to move a little bit higher in the misery index I I hope so. I hope we can move them out of like the out of the twenties. I feel like they've been here the entire time we've watched <laughs> hockey. Like they most certainly have. Ottawa would, of human history. Yes. If you know, if Ottawa hadn't made the moves they made, I think Ottawa would be down here too. Like it's just it is what it is what it is with some of these teams. But yeah, I, I think there's reason to be hopeful with them. It's just again, I don't know if I look at that team and I think they were fun last year because of Tage Thompson. And, and they were a little bit better, but then I think about it this year and I'm like, the shine is sort of worn off and it's sort of like, hey, Tage, you got to do that again and everyone else needs to be better. And it's like, I don't know that both of those things are going to happen. I just, they have the first prospect pool according to the Athletic, which is great, but I don't, um, I don't know that they're going to be leaps and bounds better enough that I would, I would want to be, you know, actually be a fan of this team. I am a fan of this team. You know, I root for them to do better, but to be one and have them be your one and only team would be still rough. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's pretty fair. Um, worse still for the Montreal Canadiens, though, because they're plummeting fast. Their draft was interesting this year, but I just think they're so far away. 
so 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 far away from being anything good nick suzuki is not the answer everybody kind of knew he wasn't the answer i feel like when they gave him that big contract but they gave it to him anyway mm-hmm. it already looks pretty painfully awful i don't know what do you do with the canadians yeah they've got a they're kind of not quite in rebuild mode yet like i just feel like they have too many guys there that they believe in still like a, a gallagher um of suzuki these guys where it's like uh they they would be on a team that's trying to challenge for being relevant but just none of the pieces are that good together i mean their defensemen are matheson weidman edmonds and savard like it's just not great carry price one of the best goalies in the league may not even play anymore for you to have jake allen and then at this point um he's done pretty well for them but again like jake allen Jake Allen looks really good on bad teams because he's getting a lot of pucks, a lot, a lot of pucks. Um, it's rough, man. I don't know. Like, I don't know that they can go through like a full rebuild, but I feel like they, they have to, I think this is one of those weird things where they think they are currently like, Oh, we are rebuilding, but I don't, I don't think they know the depths to which they're going to have to dig to fix this. Yeah. That's one of the things with those teams too, is like, can they actually decide like, Oh, we need to change something and, and really pull the trigger on the rebuild or they always going to kind of try and walk um, that fine line and not reach it ever, you know, not, Mm -hmm. not ever get over the hump. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to watch them for sure. The San Jose sharks. Oh God, they're so bad. Um, The, Carlson contract, the Vlasic contract. Credit to my career. He got the Brent Burns contract off the book, although that was the least terrible of the three. Carlson, 11.5 million for five more Ooh. years. Vlasic, 7 million for four more years. Tomas Hurdle, 8.1 million, eight years. Logan Kocher, 8 million, five years. You know, they called their former GM the dentist. Because once he got you in the chair, you, you didn't like it. Though, Steven. You didn't, he didn't like, he didn't him like being it. called that. And when I look back at what he did in his time there, it feels like he was a pain-free dentist because <laughs> these guys were agreeing to contracts. They didn't deserve left and right. Mike Greer, um, you know, history making higher. And I think he has shown some early promise, but there is no digging out of this hole, but with anything other than time, I mean, you just have to wait some of this out and be really bad and draft players that are going to be good. And if, if the ownership is not in the mood for a, a full rebuild, Mike Greer's doomed because you can't do it without a full rebuild. <laughs> there's, just, there's just nothing here. You can't, you can't, you know, like, I don't know. It's it's been washed away, and and you got to build from the ground up again. It's I don't know. Am I being too harsh? No, I mean I think you nailed it. When it's like there's nothing they can do other than wait some of this out because like no one. I mean he traded uh, Brent Burns, and that's great. But Brent Burns still has like some leg. I don't know. Has like some legs on him in the sense that uh, he can actually produce points on the power play. But like Eric Carlson, probably in a better state even but not for 11.5 million he's not uh mark edward vlasic former years at that seven million is just like terrible it's it's hard like again hurdle Couture, those are fine players but in this day and age for like eight million for like five more years eight more years or like 
eight million a year in this case like that's that's just not it just sucks it sucks it sucks it sucks and again yeah you look at how long these contracts are like we've got to wait like four years until we can like start making like actual moves outside of like just drafting highly and that's what they're gonna have to do i mean i hope my career got this job preaching to um the the uh, ownership that they're gonna have to do a rebuild i forget where maybe i was wrong maybe i heard it maybe i didn't hear this but i thought i heard like on some hockey podcast that they they don't want to do a full rebuild they want to just kind of retool a little and i was like retool how man like what are you building around you're building around like these really shitty contracts like and hoping yeah, I think some I've of these heard, guys rebound i think i've heard um elliot free say that and it's like it's kind of like when he said well failure is not an option for philadelphia early in the season mm-hmm. it's like bro that's the only option they're not good <laughs> Yeah, I don't know that's, what you, <laughs> that's the road they're taking. Yeah, <laughs> I just don't. I, that's all they can do. You know, it's like I don't. I know owners are hyper successful guys, and a lot of those alpha male types really just don't believe that failure is an option. But I don't know how you can look at the San Jose Sharks and not recognize that there's no road. The only road is through. You know, the only way to get to where you want to go is by suffering a lot and suffering quickly because it's gonna you're gonna suffer a lot either way so you can suffer quickly or you can drag it out and have it be real painful and still suffer the same amount or more so speaking of teams that have a lot of suffering to go through chicago the chicago blackhawks you know seth jones a quote made around this year this week that seth jones has no regrets about signing an eight-year 9.5 million dollar per season extension with the chicago blackhawks and of course he doesn't because he's <laughs> going to make 80 million dollars to be terrible so i don't know why you know like i don't i don't get it I like that. do you regret this like no the you should be asking the blackhawks don't ask me <laughs> yeah i don't like, care no, it's like, no, bro, I'm rich. You get it? I'm rich. I'm wealthy. I'm young. I'm living in Chicago. You know, I probably have a house on the lake. I'm doing fine. So if you're there for eight years, you could quite possibly be the geriatric guy on that team that's there when they win their next cup or like oh, when they yeah. possibly can. So it's like, yeah, ah, sure, I'll take my licks and you're I'll make all this money. Hoist the cup for them. You're the next captain after Jonathan Taze, probably. Um, they are doing a scorched earth rebuild and, and they're not doing it very well, but they are doing it. So kudos to them on that front. 13th best prospect pool. Obviously all the embarrassment about, um, you know, the, the situation with Kyle Beach is in the past. I mean, it's part of their future. Um, and, you know, hopefully it does hang like a shadow over them to some extent, because otherwise, how will we learn from it, continue to improve um, but at the same time, you know, hopefully they've gotten the worst of it out of their organization and they're ready to move on. Uh, but they have a long time to wait until they're any good, the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, it's, it's going to be rough and kind of like the Sharks, maybe not quite like the Sharks, but they are going to have to, um, they're going to have to get rid of those two contracts with Kane and Taves, you know, before they can ever really move on and start a proper rebuild because those guys definitely have to be off the books and free up some of that money um, for anything to happen for them to really like move on from that regime. Yeah, I agree. Um, 
I don't know. I don't have a lot more to say about them because they're sad. And we'll say plenty about them this year as we dagger them repeatedly. The Arizona Coyotes, you have a 29. I would probably put them below the Winnipeg Jets because they are playing in a community swimming pool. <laughs> That's true. So, that is true. I, I don't know. Winnipeg, I, w- I, w- I would put this is the only time I'm going to just outright disagree with you. Winnipeg oh should God. be 29, Arizona 30th. But Arizona does have some good prospects. I do trust Bill Armstrong as their owner, as their GM. Um, and when they're the Houston, you know, Oilers or whatever they're going to be, they obviously can't be that. But when they become the Houston whatevers, I think they've got a brighter future. But for right now, they're playing in a freaking racquetball court. So <laughs> I just can't, I can't imagine being very proud to be a fan of the Arizona Coyotes. Your thoughts on Arizona, maybe tell us a little bit about why you did rank them above Winnipeg. Um I think Winnipeg, I could be wrong about Winnipeg. I'd be reading Winnipeg all wrong. I can do kind of both at the same time. But for me, Winnipeg, it's more about Winnipeg's current locker room situation. Also, I mean, that Rick Bonus is their coach. So, like, that's that's already, like, a, this guy's not the solution. We, we've punted for the solution. We punt, kicked the can down the down the lane. We're like, ah, we just hired Rick Bonus. So, we'll, like, literally figure out what to do with this team later. Um, Kevin Shovelayoff is kind of a super bland GM, but I think like all of the drama in that locker room between Mark Shifley being like he needs to figure out, talk to the GM um, about where the team's going. He wants to know what's going on with the team before he decides, you know, what he's going to do next uh, in his career. Uh, to Pierre Luc Dubois talking about wanting a trade, but then saying, "Oh, you've never said you wanted a trade. That was just like some speculation." But he definitely said that too um them stripping the sea off of blake wheeler and blake wheeler being kind of blindsided by that and then basically saying i some did weird, forget about that part for sure he had some weird line about how he was like if people think you know but if people think i'm not going to be a leader in that locker room then they're dead wrong or they got another thing coming i was like oh okay so you're gonna be like the the belligerent captain the shadow captain <laughs> like okay um i just think I think for me, it's that Winnipeg feels like they're falling apart. Like they're on that cliff of like, oh no, now we suck. <laughs> like go down that way. Um, uh-huh. I could be wrong. They still like, again, they've got some good players on their team, like Kyle Connor. Um, I named one, so there you go. They've, they have somebody else. <laughs> Who's the other guy? They got another guy that starts with like a P or something. Yeah. Um, some um, young. Perfetti? Cole Perfetti? Yeah, yeah, yeah who's coming up so like I don't they could definitely go higher but I feel like the summer has really weighed on me where I was like what I want if this was the blues how would I feel I'd be like oh I feel like such shit if like Ryan O'Reilly they like stripped his captaincy and you had like I don't know Robert Thomas is like I'm just trying to get the hell out of here and you're like oh god this team fucking sucks (laughs) like no one wants to be in our no airport no wi-fi town um Arizona though yeah competing in a whole nother way Arizona not playing in a NHL stadium this year or not for the next three or four years and we Mm. all smile we the royal we all smile and say that's a great thing you know in fact that's a that's better than playing in an NHL stadium say say people uh in the NHL know it's like I wouldn't I would hate that to be my team and again the team itself 
sacks like Jacob Chikrin wants out, but they're not going to get that much for him because he's always injured. Um, Clayton Keller is like your best player and Clayton Keller is like, uh, like a second line player on like a re- on like a, a good team and probably like a third line player on a really good team. Uh, like I should, that's being a little mean to Clayton Keller, but it's just like, that's not, that's not your guy. That's not like, that's not a star. Um, and they, and they just have dead contracts. I mean, you have Andrew Ladd there who I think actually plays, um, this team doesn't want to get embarrassed by the ducks, you know, doesn't want Trevor Zegers like hot dogging on them, but it's too bad because you suck and that's what happens. Um, I don't know. They're, it's, it's the same old, same old, right? It's the Arizona Coyotes. They're never gonna, they're never gonna be not out of like the bottom 20 or bottom five because there's always some bullshit going on with them. Um, and that's a circus. It's a freaking circus of the desert. How can you, how do you feel if you're like an Arizona Coyotes fan or you're, I don't know, a casual hockey fan in the Southwest of America, if that even exists? Mm-hmm. And you see the Arizona Coyotes and what a shitstorm they are, and then you see the Vegas Golden Knights. And granted, they're you know haven't been much better lately, but like in terms of success, they have much more success than Arizona does at this point. And you're just like, wow. So I mean, I'm definitely going to gravitate towards like the team that does stuff. Um, I don't know. It's just like you've existed. You existed for 20 plus more years than Vegas did, and you've already been supplanted. Uh, as and now you're the number two team in the desert like it's just you're just forgettable you're just completely forgettable they're in our division and i forget they're in our division they're like oh remember seattle's in pacific so we bumped arizona to the central and of course they did because there was never a question i remember people were like well they could do this this or this I'm like no you're occam's razor they're just going to take the shittiest team and throw them in the other conference or the other division, (laughs) even though they're not in the same time zone, maybe not even the same, like second closest time zone, because it doesn't matter because no one other than the like 10 Arizona Coyotes fans, the people that work for the Coyotes and Gary Bettman care about this team. Nobody cares. Maybe, maybe we should just say that Winnipeg and, and Arizona are tied yeah. for second to last because you really convinced me on Winnipeg. They're a hellhole. It's a it's a ruinous hellscape and nothing good is ever going to come out of there. And all that, you know, is true. Um, but at the same time, I feel like they still have, you know, some decent player or, you know, they're not playing in a high school gymnasium, I guess, is really my, my kind of big point to make right. there um yeah so so fair enough there's only one team i would say that obviously out sucks and out miserables both of these franchises you know them very well as the philadelphia flyers um they are so bad they are run by I would say indisputably the worst general manager in the NHL, uh, not Ron Hextall, uh, Chuck Butcher. They have John Tortorella, who, you know, when they reached out to hire him, absolutely nobody stood up and said, you know what? No, this is wrong. <laughs> and uh, so he got hired as their head coach and just a lot of regret there. Just a lot and lot and lot of regret. Um, your best contract is... Uh, 
uh, Joel Farabee, good good for you. Um, Cam Atkinson's James Van Riemsdyk, Scott uh, Sean Couturier has fallen off. David Kevin Hayes's contract a nightmare. They brought it. Tony D'Angelo, good for them, but they have Rasmus Ristolainen, Carter Hart's the shell of him, former self. I mean, as much crap as John Tortorella gets, maybe he can turn this into some sort of chicken salad, but I just think long-term, they're never going to be good again until they are really, really bad. And that's another team with their ownership and their history. Do they have the stomach to actually do a rebuild? Probably not. So, you know, it just gets worse and worse and, and all that. Um yeah, just just explain your disgust with the Philadelphia Flyers, yeah. if you would. <laughs> this is miserable, man. Like like you said, Chuck Fletcher got to be the worst GM currently in the NHL. Um, just perplexing moves, and like you were saying about the the rebuild, I believe when Ron Hextall left, they interviewed like Chuck Fletcher and I think a fair number of other people, but like the two. There was Chuck Fletcher and somebody else were like the final two. And Chuck Fletcher was the one that sold them on, oh, we don't need to rebuild actually. Um, we can we can kind of fix this, you know, with a retool or so. And the, that's what management wanted to hear. That's what owners wanted to hear. And their other, their other um, GM candidate was like, oh, no, I definitely think they need to rebuild. And so they went with Chuck Fletcher and what a mistake like what a freaking mistake when you hire john tortorella at this point in his career right uh maybe not after he won the cup in in tampa in 2004 <laughs> but at this point this is like it's like a reclamation coach like you're not hiring john tortorella this is this is uh what's his name taffer this is like he's not oh, yeah. coming he's not Bar coming in to like pat you on the back and be like you know what this is this is a great bar like is coming in to tear you a new one and like try and build you up into something respectable you'll still be bad and you'll still fail and you'll still yeah. close uh within like a month or whatever but like Probably, well, while, yeah. he, while he is there you'll be respectable mm-hmm. um i mean i think as a human being john tortorella fits philadelphia like like a glove like mm-hmm. this man was born to coach the philadelphia flyers but it, their team just sucks and they don't and they and again they haven't started to rebuild and i think they're maybe their fans aren't but their their management is definitely in like rebuild denial i mean i guess they brought tortorella in but the whole thing is it sounds like they brought him in because they're like well he's going to turn us around and make us a little more respectable it's like man i think he's going to tell you this team freaking blows uh, and that you got to change, you got a lot of changes to make first. I mean, that's essentially what he's already said. He's already talked about like leadership in the room being questionable. Um, you're again, you're out Couturier, you're out um, Ellis. Your goalie situation is not great. Uh, you hope Kevin Hayes bounces back, but again, cool. Kevin Hayes bounces back. Who else you got? Like Travis Konechny fun like is Travis Sanheim even going to want to be here after next year or after this year next year when he's like UFA or RFA or whatever the heck he is he's not going to want to be there like it's not going to not going to yeah. work here anymore <laughs> that's, that's right. for damn sure uh are they going to trade Ivan Pro like it's just they've got Rasmus Rustaline in there like how do you sign how do you how do the Buffalo Sabres have Rasmus Rustaline the Buffalo Sabres suck 
And that's not all his fault, but he's a huge contributing factor. And you pluck him off that team in a trade and then you sign him to a long-term deal. Like he, no one player other than maybe a goalie ever makes the A team bad, but they can definitely be like one of the big contributing factors. And Rasmus Rustalainen was, and here you are signing with some long ass deal for no freaking reason. Like, oh God, it's just, they're so bad. <laughs> they suck so much. I feel for Philadelphia Flyers fans. Cause like you're a, you know, if the blues that have existed as long as you have, I'm going to say you're a historic franchise and like you, you don't deserve to have to go through this crap. Like they should just fire Chuck Fletcher because he hit some, I don't know, he trips some random wire that's like, oh, this, this, I don't know, expansion six team can never be this bad because we have some amount of self-respect. And so we got to like fire you into the sun and actually try and make this team good. But it's like, they're just floundering. They're floundering and then they're in the worst, they're in the worst part of rebuild, which is like the first step, right? It's the denial. They're like, well, we don't need to rebuild. Like we're fine. That's like, oh man. It's right there on the wall. It's like right in front of you. John Tortorella might be phase two. That might be the anger, you know, mm-hmm. part. And then we'll get, maybe we'll get to bargaining uh, somewhere in here. But like, <laughs> that's Kevin the Hayes. perfect summary of what John Tortorella is, honestly. <laughs> I, I really, it's funny because like I wouldn't want him to coach the Blues unless the Blues were like in this kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Like they just sucked. Um, but I do. And I have like questioned that he's like a good coach currently and all this other stuff. But I do like John Tortorella. Like I think he's fun. Oh yeah. And I think he's actually has like good points and yada yada. But I just think like he's not even like the most abrasive coach to me where I'm like, oh, I hate this guy. Like he's abrasive, but it's still in a way where I'm like, oh, this is fun. But uh, I hear people say all the time too on these podcasts, like 32 Thoughts, um, or Dangle, they'll be like, you know. You, if you go into Philly though this year, you might not, you might uh, win the game, but you're gonna, you're gonna lose the physical battle ice. John Torrell is gonna have you feeling like hell every time you go through Philly, and I'm like, really? Is he like, <laughs> I with this lineup, is he really? Are you really gonna be like, I don't know, any of these guys? Like, who did they sign? Nick Delorier, who's playing freaking six minutes a night. Oh yeah, he's probably just gonna rain hell upon the New York Rangers, like. It's not. I'll see you in hell, being <laughs> down, being <laughs> Like I just don't, I just don't buy that for a second. That's literally because they have John Tortorella. They're like John Tortorella is a tough guy. The Philadelphia Flyers fifty years ago were the Broad Street Bullies, <laughs> and therefore uh, they are yeah, going to be God. so tough to play yeah. against this year. And I'm like, oh, only in hockey, only in hockey would they like pat a team on the back and give them like. Almost be like, you know, if you're not going to win the Stanley Cup, the second best thing to be is a really tough team to play against. Yeah, well, not if you end up fucking 32nd in the league. I can give two shits about if you're like, yeah, but we were number one in hits. So like, wow, fantastic. Uh, fucking you're going to hit the golf course, baby. Like, you suck. <sighs> yeah. I'm sorry, Philly fans. You got great jerseys. They do. You know, they've got great jerseys. They've got great history. And that's about it. That's about all they've got. Uh, so that's the misery index, I guess. I guess we're done. I guess that's it. Um, I feel miserable. We got uh, Pacific Division next week, Central Division Blues preview after that, and then we got hockey, baby. We got hockey. 
real hockey pretty soon nope so um it's not it's almost time it's almost time to do that hockey as they say um and uh i'm really excited i can't believe it i'm a little in shock uh you know we've all we've got all got to prepare ourselves mentally and physically in different ways but october 15th is almost here johnny goudreau will start his season in st louis i assume unless they have a home opener before that um and then we get the kraken the oilers the jets the oilers again so we play both our oilers games right away which is fun um get that out of the way yeah so you know i'm i'm excited so hockey will be here soon that's it for us uh ian you got anything more you want to say i think you've said quite enough this week quite frankly i think ian's have spoken plenty over the last 48 hours but if you have anything else would you like to say it now this is this is hurricane ian this is definitely not ian it's definitely hurricane ian i've not heard a single person pronounce it that way but you, you know what yourself you know what and and i win both ways because good freaking good <laughs> the one or two people fucking alive i know you didn't choose your name i know your freaking brain dead parents gave you that fucking name but if you're pronounced i and i and if that's what your name is i want you to tell your parents that i hate them <laughs> I hope there's at least one Ian watching this podcast. Isn't it a very like British versus US thing though? Maybe. I don't know, man. I swear. I, I think it's more common in the US these days, right? Like, because uh-huh. I've met a number of Ians, but like, there was definitely a period in like elementary school where like anytime it was either the first day or it was a sub, they'd be like, Ian. And I'd be like, the fuck? The fuck? <laughs> Was this bitch crazy? <laughs> I've had people look at my uh, very rarely, but every once in a while, I've had people look at my name and just kind of stare at it when it's like on a screen or written, and they're mm-hmm. like trying to figure out how to pronounce it. And I'm like, you strike me as someone that doesn't read a lot or something. No. Where it's like you probably, I feel like, I feel like maybe you know the name Ian, you've heard it, but you've never uh-huh. seen it written, and so you're like, what the fuck is this? They're like Yawn. Have you ever been called like Yawn? No, no. Okay, well, that's good. That's um, better than people call me if they short the e out a little bit, and they're like a little more southern accent, southern drawl. I get kind of in, like kind of in, in. You ever been in, in, in? Oh, sound like an, and I'm like, okay, that's fine. Big shout out, uh, Tim Furless for calling me an. I think it was. I think it was how we pronounced it as a child, and then it became a joke to cover up that he couldn't pronounce my name. But I remember it wasn't a joke. He just can't say it. It wasn't a joke. It was just true. Um, yeah. So to all Ian's, Ian's, and Ann's out there, uh, <laughs> we'd like to wish you a very happy end of September. I don't know how October is already here, but start pumping your pumpkin spice lattes start blasting that halloween music playlist baby you can't listen to it for a long time so you got to listen to it for a good time and uh you know have a lot of fun get some pumpkins go to a patch of some variety pumpkin or otherwise uh and just have a terrific weekend we'll talk to you real soon see ya